not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruption. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading the charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from the Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on the court from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbilly, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Key. Good evening, Black Herb America. How are you this evening? We have another Good. week. Yes. Um, just hold on for a minute, please. Is this Miss Cromwell? Yes, it is. Okay. Just let me do this intro uh, for uh, two minutes. Yes, this okay. is Black Herb America with Kenneth Jones. And uh, today we have a guest uh, by the name of... Nikki Cromwell. Um, I did some other shows I just want to tell you about on Thursday. Um, Queen Mother for Real Media do sponsors, Superior Power and Black America, which talk about economic development, and that comes on Thursdays at 8 o'clock. Also, Saturday is Provocative Thought with Carl Sneed. Uh, he discusses social behavior in the black community. On November 2nd, Devin Eflin will start his show, and he will, be, he will discuss the historical context and how it affects us today in black America. Also, we have a program, entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship program, uh, uh, marketing program partnership, and that uh, we tap into self-employed and small businesses. So that's our lineup. Miss Carwell, how are you this evening? I'm good, I'm good. Multitasking. Yes, so, <laughs> excuse me? I said I'm multitasking. 
Oh, you're multitasking. Well, okay. Uh, yeah. I guess that's a norm now. That's a, that's <laughs> a normality in our lives now is multitasking. Uh, um, okay, uh, Ms. Cromwell, can you tell our downloaders and listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay, I am uh, a mother of uh, two daughters, 18 and 22, and stepson is 22. And I live out mm-hmm. in uh, Las Vegas. Um, originally from California, the Bay Area. Grew up in the Bay Area and down in Stockton. Um, got my education from the University of California at Davis in management and economics, and then my master's in public administration from Bellevue University, and most recently um, got my license to um, practice insurance, life insurance, um, for so far the states of Nevada, Arizona, and Missouri. Um, My full-time gig is with the uh, state of Nevada, um, managing the down payment assistance program for for those that want to buy a home. So we okay. help them out with um, financing with that. Okay. Uh, our topic for tonight, as you know, Miss um, Cromwell has a business. That's not like the elevator. A business management um, background. So, to, therefore, we're going to discuss... <laughs> Why is it so hard for black folks to patronize black businesses? Although we, we talk about pro-black, buy-black, and we find out we have a $1.1 trillion buying power, but yet still uh, uh, one cent out of a dollar stays in our community. And as before, like I said, back in the 40s and 50s, it was like 88 cents of a dollar stayed in our community. What happened? Why, Ms. Cromwell, why are we having such difficulty? The New York Times in 2008 says that blacks, um, blacks spend less money in black-owned businesses than any other racial and ethnic groups and businesses owned by members of their group. What's going on? Man, that is such a that's a that's a in depth um that's a deep question and it's it's there's a lot of facets to it. Um a lot of it has got to do with seg- desegregation. Um in my opinion that was the worst thing that could have happened for us. Um, at least from an economic standpoint, because they did not integrate us completely into society. They only integrated our money. And so when desegregation happened, everybody started flocking to everybody else's establishments. And once they started doing that, that ran a lot of our small businesses out of business, owners out of business. Um, And the... It, it, a lot of it is, has to do with the propaganda machine, too, because the, the, the propaganda machine that they've got going is intensive and is relenting. And now they have convinced us that, you know, 
black is bad and white is right. And so I've experienced it in my own professional life and personal life where I could tell a family member the same exact thing that somebody that they don't know could walk up and tell them and they would accept it from a stranger before they would accept it for me because we have been convinced and conditioned to think that we're not enough, that we're not good enough, that we aren't the original creators of math and science and all of these things. You know, we they've got us convinced that we we were, were we just come from slaves. And that's not true. We were never slaves. We were some of our our ancestors were prisoners of war, but they were not slaves. And so we 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 have that mindset. So and and now it's it's you know, it's going to take probably several decades to get that conditioning out of our minds that we are enough, that we we produce and we come up with ideas and products and services that are just as good, if not better, than European Americans. So if they want to hyphenate us, I'm going to hyphenate them. <laughs> so, right. so, you know, and that's you a say, big part of the problem. When you say propaganda machine, can you go into a little detail about the propaganda machine? Well, they've got a lot of our, our the people in our community convinced that we're not as intelligent, that we don't come from good schools, um, good upbringing, that basically, you know, the new, the new N-word is thug. So, you know, that we're inferior. You know, we're seen as inferior. And so, and, and we see ourselves as inferior. You know, and so if you think you're inferior, then you're not going to patronize somebody that looks like you. It's self-hate. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's let's look at this. Okay, I... I they are social media. There are other alternative media outlets for us to learn. And all I see uh, uh, for people is we're kings and we're queens and we need to do this, we need to do that for our people. But yet still, when I look at the stats mm-hmm. and see that in a few years we're going to be at 1.3 trillion dollars the consumers. Now, with all of these messages on the social media, why are we? I understand about. Are we still falling for the assimilation process? That the only way that we can measure ourselves is by trying to assimilate their lifestyle. I know, and that and that's a. That's a big part of the problem too. And then the other, the other um, anchor, and uh, you may or may not agree with me, and some of the listeners may or may not agree with me, but that's okay. Um, the, the, the other biggest anchor that we need to give back to them is all of their religions. Religions, in all of its forms, has been the mental death of us because. The, the religion means to bind, to, to tie back to control. 
And once they have right. our minds, they have our bodies. And they don't need our bodies anymore because they got our minds. And because they have our minds, we think we're not good enough. We think we don't deserve. We think we, we don't have any expectations. You know, we expect nothing, so we get nothing. And so we, we continue to perpetuate that. And then because we're empty inside, we try to fulfill that void with outside sources because we're told to look outside of ourselves for salvation when everything that we need to be whole and complete is already within us. We're born with it already. We already know. We just have forgotten and we need to be reminded. And we need, and first we got to get rid of and let go and give back to them their religion. We get, we, if we don't do that, then everything else is just for naught. Because that is, to me, in my opinion, that's got the biggest anchor around our throat. Uh, are you saying that the state of religion thought is preventing black folks from making progress in the economic, social, political atmosphere? Yes. Because um, it, it, when you think about right. think about how you're how you're told from the time you're a, a little kid, you know, don't ask for much, don't be expecting. Um, it's better to give than receive, which is absolute nonsense. Because in order for somebody to receive, somebody has to give, and in order for somebody to give, somebody has to receive. So how could it be better to give than receive? That doesn't make any sense. Right. And, and and we have those we have that mentality ingrained in us. So if you don't think that you deserve to be prosperous, if you don't think that you um, deserve to have a good life in this plane, because you're you, they got you focused on no, you're supposed to suffer and you're supposed to um, go without in this life because you'll get yours in the here and after. But and we always ask for proof for everything but that. You know, so, when it comes to that, yeah. we accept it blindly. <laughs> you know, we accept it blindly. But, 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 Miss Cromwell, you know, history, black history has all, I mean, black history in the United States have all types of religious leaders in the forefront. Uh, of Martin Luther, Malcolm, Elijah Muhammad, all of these guys are uh, uh, Mega Evers. Uh, all these guys were tied into their Muhammad Ali was all tied into their connected to their religion. How can we? Are you saying that? Let, let, let me ask another question. Is separated from some 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 people are talking about the separatist movement again. Do you think that technique or that strategy will benefit uh, uh, black folks in the end? And when I say separate, I mean separate economically, socially, politically, culturally, and, and other disciplines. I didn't used to feel that way, but as things have begun to occur, 
I, I, I'm of the Malcolm X um, motif. Um, okay. My dad was a, a Black Panther uh, for a, a brief while um, in Oakland, and I he needs to My brother was a Black Panther stuff. too in Jersey. Yeah. Awesome. And each I remember going as a little kid, being taken to the um, breakfast programs and the lunch programs and that type of thing. I think our only way out is self-reliance because there is no justice for us. It's just us. And we need to get that through our heads. The only, the only country, as far as I know, that has ever come to bat for us that I would lay my life on the line for is our Haitian brothers and sisters. They are the only ones that ever come, have ever tried to come to our aid. Uh, General uh, Toussaint Leoverture sent over approximately 1,500 troops to help us fight in the Civil War. So if somebody knows something different than that, other than that, that's the only country I know that's ever come to us and to come and to try to help us and fight for us. Everybody else, nobody else has ever tried to help come and help and fight for us. We are all that we have, and we used to know that, and 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 and. Because we didn't have any choice. See, when, when segregation, we had no choice but to right. work with each other and to help each other and to be there for each other and to do for each other. Now, sometimes, you know, choice isn't good. Sometimes too many choices is not good because now we got all of these choices. And, and we keep right. thinking that that they won't do us this way or they're not going to do that or they'll – you know, this or that. We need to get that out of our heads. You know, because they, and when I say they, I don't necessarily mean all European Americans, because I have European Americans in my bloodline. Right. But in in a general sense, they stick together, just like the Latinos, just like the Asians, they all stick together, and it's not an issue. We just we just need to do the same. It, you know, it's just like how the Asian – and I grew up a, a, around a lot of Vietnamese, Cambodians, Laotians, and, and um, Chinese and different things like that. Um, they yeah. stick together. So it's it, – it, they're in the world, but they're not of the world, you know, and they do each other wrong too. We, you know, we got this thing in our head that we think that, you know, we always say crabs in a barrel and you know this and that or whatever, as if, <laughs> as if triflingness is exclusive to us. And when it's not, I mean, they do each other dirty too. But the thing about it is, yeah, I know a lot of uh, Italian, I know a lot of Italian, Irish gangsters. Yeah, we're not the only gangsters in the world. Right. You know. But even though they may do each other wrong or whatever, at the end of the day, if Ann Sue, uh, Tulu, uh, Tung Tung need some money or need some help, they're going to go around and they're going to collect that money up. What and that's just how they Yeah, and, and like in Brooklyn, uh, there's a section of Brooklyn all the Hasidic Jews, they have their own schools, their own clinics, their transportation, um, their own businesses. 
I mean, at one time, our our community used to be thrive like this. Uh, there's a story I'd like to share with you. There's a gentleman a while ago. He was doing an experiment in Brooklyn, matter of fact, in um, Red Hook, and which is a section of Brooklyn. And uh, his name was Bob Law. He was a commentator, uh, and he had his own show every night at midnight. And and for a while, he was on this thing about economic development, and and he felt that economics is our way out of all these social ills. And he was doing this yep. experiment. There were two stores. One store looked like it was owned by white folks. And the other store looked like it was owned by black folks. The white store had higher prices. It was dirty and, and, and was disrespectful to the black consumers in the community. The black store was uh, low low prices. It was clean, and it showed courtesy and respect to uh, the uh, to the consumers of the community. And one day it was snowing, and there was this elderly lady, senior citizen breaking her neck in the store, store, passed by the black store to go to the white store. And he stopped and he said, ma'am, ma'am, you know, they got the same thing in this store over here talking about the black store. You know, you should go go in there and do your shopping. She said, I won't spend my money with those, and she used the N-word. I mean, and that's been our mentality, like, for the last, I'd say, 60 years. And how can we break that psychological chain? You know, it's I don't know if there's any hope for for those of us that are in our um, 40s, 50s, 60s, and up. I don't know if there's hope for us. You know, maybe we would be better start because people are set in their ways. <laughs> are you saying that you cannot teach? Or old dog, new trick. That's what you're saying, Miss Conway. <laughs> it, it, it's it's pretty difficult. It's it's it's, it's and I maybe our 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 time and our energy would be better served on the younger people because they're more open minded. Like my children, my children are 18 and 22. Um, they've got friends of of all different types, and you know, and they don't have any issues and if they do they're because I've been teaching them as they've been growing up um, don't just accept what somebody says do your own research come to your own conclusions and if somebody is is saying things or acting a certain way that doesn't resonate with your soul then you need to remove that person from out of your space so they know how to do that and they and they have the courage to do that because I put that in them you know and so Maybe our energy is better directed at the younger people <laughs> because they're they're more more willing to be more flexible in their thinking. With us older folks, you know, we become very rigid, and a lot of times we don't want to change or we don't want to admit. You know, we suffer from cognitive dissonance. You know, because we were raised this way or that way, even though we may know that that is wrong, we'll still continue to do it or think that way because, well, that's how I was raised, and it was all right for my mama, so it's all right for me, you know, that type of mentality, unless something really drastic happens to us personally. 
then usually a person will be motivated to change. But I, I hate to say it, but it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's Ms. really hard. Cromwell. Oh, oh, oh Miss Cromwell. Are you saying the likes of people, like you said, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, cannot not change? I won't use the word change, but it would be challenging for them to unite with the millenniums and the uh, Generation X's. Matter of fact, the people in their 40s are considered Generation X. The Generation yes, X's. Yeah, you think that it's difficult for middle age to see its citizens to really sit down with the millennials and the Generation X and devise a strategy that would benefit black America? Difficult, yes. Impossible, no. <laughs> if we, if, if, if those of us that are... I think, I think... I think, Ms. Cromwell, if 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 we continue down the road that we are, uh, I feel personally that that the millennials, the Generation X, the Me Generation, you know, all these generations, uh, uh, it it will. It, I mean, all the things that are going on, I think that it's going to force us. It's going to take a very, very um, difficult tragedy to really force us to unite and to start sitting down with each other. Oh, yeah. It is going to take that. I agree. I agree with you 100%. It is going to take that. We've been feeling pain, but it's more of been an irritant. You know, it's been more of an irritant for the most part. Outside of those that, um, those brothers and sisters that have lost children, because that is completely out of the natural order of thing and things. And I couldn't even imagine what those parents are going through that have lost their children, especially to no fault of their own in a violent manner. But it is going to well, take going things on. like that to get us to say, you know what? I would rather die on my feet than to live on my knees. Until we get to that point, we're, we're, we're just running around in a circle. We have to be willing to die, you know, because nobody is going to give us anything. We have, to, we have to be willing to take it by any means necessary. Miss <laughs> you know? Cromwell, you got to be careful with that uh, uh, rhetoric. Because they could label you as a terrorist. Well, and that would be calling the kettle black because they're some of the biggest, <laughs> most notorious terrorists on the face of the earth. They not only go around terrorizing other uh, melanated people, but they also are destroying the planet and everything on it. So if anybody is a terrorist, they are the true description of a terrorist. I don't want to inflict pain on anybody. I'm just simply saying, if as long as you don't bring it to me, then I'm not going to bring it to you. But if you bring it to me, you bring it in my face, in my space, in my community, then I'm going to bring it back to you. 
And we that and we all have to get that mentality. We all have to be willing to die. And and the reason why a lot of us are not willing to die is because of religion, because of this notion or this concept that there is this hell or this heaven. And so until we get to that point where we are one hundred percent committed, we gotta get we have to be like and some people may not like this analogy that I'm gonna use, but we ha- we really have to be like the extremists. They are 100% committed, right or wrong, why they do what they do. One thing I can say is they are absolutely 100% committed to their beliefs. We are not committed to our beliefs. Yeah, I know. We're now on level. We used to be. We used to be. We used to be, Ms. Cromwell. Uh, At one time, uh, brothers and sisters in in America really had this nation on the ropes. They couldn't got anything. They couldn't got anything. But all of a sudden, you know, a few people got a little crumbs and what have you. And they were the made. And they became the major players in our communities. And speak about major players. Do you think uh, uh, last week or a week, two weeks ago, there was this program on called "The State of Black America"? Uh, Tavis Smiley, Dick Gregory, you know, Mike, you know, the the, the normal. Uh, how I feel about uh, traditional media picking, so selecting certain black folks. And calling them our leaders. You know, it it's kind of funny because we're the only group where we have designated leaders. When in in reality, we're all leaders in our own way. Because if we weren't, you wouldn't have beat out the other two hundred and fifty million approximately other spermatozoids to get here. So you you led the way to get to that egg. So we are all leaders in our own way, you know, but we're the only group where we've got to have this designated group of people to to be our voice. Um, Now, on the other hand, in order to have an effective organization, you do need to have the people that are going to be out front. You need to have your PR people, you know, Um, you can't, everybody can't, can't have control of the ship. You know, everybody has a role to play, and we just all need to know what that role is and then play that role very well. Um, do you think that we need an African-American agenda? Yes. One of the reasons why we didn't get anything from Obama is because we, one, we didn't expect anything. We didn't expect anything. We didn't, we didn't come to him with an agenda to say, look, in order to get our support, that we're we're going to require X, Y, Z from you. Or maybe Oprah and 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 those folks did when they had those exclusive dinners for him. You know, maybe they did. I wasn't in those circles. I'm not in those circles, so I can't say 100% for sure. But just based upon the shaft that we got from him, it would appear that 
we didn't have a set agenda. We didn't have any, we didn't put any expectations on him. And therefore we didn't get much out of him being, it things are worse for us now than before. Yes. And it, it irritates me to no end team. when I hear us, when I hear some of us saying, well, you know, he wasn't just our president, he was the president for everybody and he couldn't just, but yet he gave millions to the Laotian. He's mm-hmm. given billions to the Israelis. He just know, gave thirty-eight billion these... last week. He just signed the bill yeah. for thirty-eight billion for ten years. The gays got and, theirs. And... Everybody got their piece of pie. Stop the Wall Street uh, uh, had done the best, the best on Obama oh, than yeah. any other president in history. Everybody yep. got a piece of their pie. Except for us. They talk about unemployment is down. But if you walk through the black communities of America, unemployment is not down. As a matter of fact, like you said, situation today is worse than it was 16 years ago. Yep. And then, but you still have a lot of us that will make excuses. And, and and make excuses for him and say, well, you know, he, he he you know he was obstructed and this and this and that. Huh? Mighty funny. He he wasn't obstructed when it came to de- dealing out millions for those. Uh, and I'm just gonna say this for those fake ass Jews. <laughs> Some people may not like I said that, <laughs> but um, you know he didn't have a problem with dishing out millions to the Laotians. He didn't have a problem with dishing out billions to the Israelis. But yet, when, uh, he didn't have a problem with getting concessions for the gay agenda. You know, he right. had a problem with getting concessions for white women because that whole um, bill that they passed for equal pay for women, th- that wasn't about us. That wasn't about me and my sisters. That was about white women. So, right. you know, somehow he's able to, to get to, to – Get around the obstruction when it comes to everybody else except for us. And see, and and the fact that some of our people Hello? will make make excuses for him and apologize for oh, that. Miss Cromwell. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. You multitasking again, huh? Uh, I'm in the car. <laughs> but okay. you know, the fact that some of us makes will make excuses for him and his administration just irritates me to no end because it's like, well, how is it that all these other groups were able to get concessions and money and this and that, but we get we get nothing. We get a few a few people released from prison that should have never been there to begin with. And and we're supposed to be happy about that. And and we get him going on T V chastising us, you know, and telling us to be patient when our kids and our and our and our people are getting gunned down in the streets, but we're we supposed to just continue to be patient, you know. And then he turns around and he signs a bill for police to protect them. Protect them from what? And I can say this with wholeheartedly, with complete compassion, because my husband works in law enforcement, you know. And he will even tell you it's a it's a bunch of BS, you know. But yet we make up excuses for him, and I'm like. I voted for him when I still believed in that whole racket of voting nonsense, but I'm not going to make no excuses for him. You know, but if you criticize him, then people want to say, that's our problem. You know, we always criticize each other. There's a difference between an honest critique of somebody and what they've done or haven't done and just outright um, 
being a hater. There is a difference. And we need to learn so, to recognize the difference in that. So, again, you 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 are in the business field, and, and you have just became a licensed realtor, right? Insurance. A insurance. Insurance, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, in in your business dealings, do you? It sounds like it appears that you are a player in the state of uh, Nevada, and uh, uh, um, so how are we? In your analysis, how how are, you know the whole show we've been talking about what we need to do. But how are we doing? There are pockets of us that are doing well, that are, are making things happen. Um, there are uh, – I've got some folks on my Facebook list that are doing various things and have organizations um, and are doing various things in their own communities and their own states. Um, but it would – we have to do it more on a massive scale. And here's the thing. We, we – we shout this mantra, um, Black Lives Matter, but do they really matter to us? Because if they really matter to us, then why don't the majority of us have insurance? We insure everything else. We will we'll make sure we got insurance on our cell phone, on our car. Uh, if we buy a high-ticket item like a TV or something like that, appliances, we'll buy the little insurance plan on that. But when it comes to our lives, which really is invaluable, but yet there is a price tag on it, we, oh, we, we, you know, well, I, I, you know, I can't do that right now or this or that. We make up all these excuses. You know, so it's like how, how valuable are we really then? How valuable do we think that we are? Because we're not even willing to insure our own lives. The insurance industry next to the banking industry is the most powerful industry on the planet. And yeah, if, they, there's they, a, if there's of, supposedly 40-something, some, well, the whole, system <laughs> is a, the whole system is a scam, but it's the system that Capitalism we're dealing with until it's replaced with something. Exactly. Until it's replaced with yeah, something else, we have to work with what we got, right? Right. So if there's, right. if there's 40 million of us, so they claim, which I think there's way more of us than what they claim, but we'll just go with their numbers. If there's supposedly 40 million of us, if even half of us got 250000 on ourselves, and our kids and our and our family, and they continue to pluck us off the way they've been doing. Best believe your New York Life, your AIGs, your Security Nationals, your American Life, your National Life, all these different companies, your United or Mutual Omaha. You think they're going to tolerate paying out millions of dollars in claims because? These thugs that they call police are gunning people down. You think they're going to tolerate that? No, they're not. And we also are gunning each other down, Mrs. Cromwell. You have to remember, mm-hmm. we have a lot of gang and family violence in our uh, black urban communities. We have no more violence than any other group. 
That is a misnomer. That it, and I, 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 I detest. I don't want to say hate because that's a very strong word, but I will say I detest when I hear that that misnomer, black on black crime. There is no such thing. The crime typically is committed based upon proximity. So if you if you predominantly live in a community with people that look like you, crime is going to be committed against those people that look like you. It's, 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 when people think about it, it's just common sense. Wives kill husbands, husbands kill wives, kids kill parents, parents kill kids, so on and so forth. So we do not have a, a monopoly on crime. We are no more prone to criminal behavior than any other group, and we need to stop. We that's part of the propaganda I was talking about. Okay. So well let me ask you this. Do you feel that it I, I, and, and and it's all part of economic development because we cannot uh develop economically a prosper as a people if we continue to practice the behaviors on each other. But do you feel that gang involvement is a is an issue in our communities? I'm yeah, not talking it's an about issue any other community. I'm not talking about any other I'm not talking about any other community but black communities. That's what I'm concerned about. Is gang involvement an issues in our communities? It is an issue in our community, but you know what we're what will solve a, a lot of the issues in our community, not all of the issues, but will solve a great many of the issues in our community, is economic development. The crime goes up when, when people have no hope or when they feel hopeless, when they feel like that they don't have a shot, that what's the point? What's the point in even trying? When things are, when people feel like they're prospering, that they can, that they have a shot that, uh, at obtaining their dreams and pursuing their dreams and things like that. Crime goes down. If you go into an affluent uh, black community, there is hardly very little crime. People are in poor yeah. communities. They're committing crime because they feel hopeless. But if they have hope, or more than hope, if they have opportunity, there is less crime. So it all goes right back to economics. Like Dr. Clark says, it all goes back to economics. Without, if, if we don't establish economics, then nothing else is going to make a difference. And also Dr. Clark said that we need more than one strategy in order to tackle our problems. And, and and some of the movements that we had historically uh, 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 utilized a strategy as a lifestyle, as far as nonviolence and uh, and other uh, uh, by any means necessary and militancy. You know, uh, he said that we need more than one strategy, and also we need a plan. All this marching, beating out chest, and what have you, and let others know what we want, what we need to do. Instead of instead of developing a plan, uh, 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 if a group of people should die or or or, or lose interest 
You go from chapter one to chapter two. The next generation goes from chapter two to chapter three, and that's a, and he and he was comparing this to the Japanese. How the Japanese had two atomic bombs uh, 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 landing on them, and what they did, they went in the back rooms, they developed a plan, and now today they are the most powerful technology country in the world. They are, but they they well, the whole plan is about is on the verge of destruction with that um, Fukushima still leaking um, nuclear waste into the ocean for the last four or five years. Um, so Japan is the problem but really going to start to show up and manifest itself in Japan in the next 10 years. You're going to start to see a lot of their, their babies and stuff with a lot of deformities and, and, and cancers and all these, this type of thing because of the nuclear waste that's getting dumped in the ocean even right now as we speak. Um, but, yeah, we definitely need a plan. We need multiple strategies. And there already are groups out there that are doing various things um, from – um, growing their own food, which to me that's the most critical, is knowing how to grow your own food or some food and knowing how to purify your water. Because when this, when Rome falls, and it's going to fall, just a matter of when, yeah. you're going to need to young, know it's how to feed yourself. Huh? It's still a young empire. It's still a young uh, uh, America. Is still a young empire. But as all literally speaking, however, sure. however, the amount of um, national debt and things like that are way beyond anything that's ever been witnessed in history. So really? they they've destroyed their economic system and and way shorter of a time than any other powerhouse ever have. So, and, and, and they rose to the top quickly. So, you know, what goes up quick goes fall ten times harder. <laughs> That's just the way yeah. it goes, you know. And, yes. and, and, too, because they have so – the United States Incorporated has got so much blood on its hands that they are going to reap what they sow. It's going to be a reckoning. And that and that reckoning is going to be very very painful. Uh, last question. There's, there's last question. Yeah, last question, Ms. Cromwell. Um, do you think that the neighborhoods in Black America that were affected by the drug era of the eighties? That are still have, are still affected by the drug era of the eighties. Do you think these neighborhoods can make a com comeback through economic development? Yes, I mean we made a comeback when when they dumped cocaine and heroin into our communities. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Comeback. The drug era of the eighties. Um, you know, and so so yeah, we could, but. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a whole lot. It's going to take multiple strategies, like you said. It's going to take multiple disciplines from mental health to, you know, economic and financial literacy. I mean, it, it, it's not it, – it, it's a complex issue, so it's going to take a complex solution. And some people, okay. I hate to say it, but everybody not going to be saved. That's just the way it is. 
True. True. Okay, Miss Okay, Miss Cromwell. I really thank you for coming on my show. Uh it's been it's been very informative and you you somewhat surprised me uh, by some of I mean some of some of your, your the ideologies that you have are similar to mine and I, and, and when you came out with some some of your uh statements, it caught me off guard because I was, I was anticipating something else. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I really was. I, I, I really expected more of a liberal than a progressive. You're a progressive. You're a leftist. You're a pan-Africanist. So um, for one pan-Africanist. I'm a pan-Americanist. Pan <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pan-Americanist. Out of Aboriginal, original. <laughs> okay. My roots are right here. Uh, all right. So I really uh, uh, thank you for coming on my show, and I'd like to invite you back on in, uh, in, in the near future. And uh, it's really be informative, and I thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show. And if anybody wants to get in touch with me in regards to um, insurance and tax-free income and that type of thing, um, they can yes, talk to please. me on Facebook. Or they can give me a call, 702-625-5204. And if you come into Vegas, just the, let me know. And give me the correct spelling of your first name. N-N-I-K-A. Oh, N-N-I-K-K-A. And, no, and okay. how do you pronounce that? One K, okay. two N. One K. Uh, two and, in, how you, one and, how you, and how you pronounce your name? Your first name? Nika. 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 Okay. All right, Miss Cromwell. I thank you, but uh, you're about running out of time. And please join on Thursday, uh, Daryl and Monique Freeman, as they discuss their uh, economic development theory on Thursday night, eight o'clock. And um, again. I am because you are, you are because I am. That's it. I'm out. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. 